morning. Everybody good? Ready for the uh, big holiday weekend? How many of you guys were out yesterday on some body of water? Any water people in here? All right, anybody going out today on water? Anybody not care about water? Anybody like, I wish somebody would douse me with some water right now because it's about 150 degrees in here. So uh, Chris kind of already explained, if you came in late, we just, we've had quite the, uh, quite the morning, we'll say. Uh, but like Chris said, God's still here and he's still going to do his thing and we're, uh, we're just going to kind of join in with what he's doing. So since we're kind of kicking it old school today, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start off old school. Can we do that? I'm going to start off with an old classic cheesy, so if I acknowledge it, it makes it less awkward, uh, preacher joke. Can I do that? I grew up in a preacher's home, so I kind of grew up around these. And it wasn't that my dad told these jokes. It was everybody in the church wanted my dad to hear these jokes. And so we would stand back at the, you know, back, at the back door when dad was greeting everybody. And you know, somebody's like, hey, I got a preacher joke for you. And it was, it was never failing. They were always terrible. But I'm going to start off with a preacher joke, uh, and then I'm probably going to, just going to make you mad, and then you'll forget about the air conditioner. So here we go. Uh, there were three preachers at a coffee shop. Not at a bar, because preachers don't do bars, right? Uh, there were three preachers at a coffee shop, and they were talking about a bat infestation that had taken over their buildings. And the first preacher said, he said, you know, what I tried to do is I caught them in the week, middle of the week, and I took a shotgun, and I just began to shoot at the bats, but I missed all the bats, and now I just have a hole in the roof, so I wouldn't suggest that, but I'm still working on a solution. Second preacher says, well, I'll tell you what I did. I set live traps because I'm better than you with the shotgun. I want to make sure that we preserve God's creation. And so he set live traps. And he said, I trapped all the bats during the week, and then I drove them about 50 miles outside of town into the country, and then I released the bats. But because they fly so quickly, they beat me back to the church building, and so I don't know what else to do either. And the third preacher, he said, well, I'll tell you what I did, and I don't have a problem anymore. He said, I baptized them, made them members, and hadn't seen most of them since. <laughs> Guys, we're going to wrap up a series today called Any Given Sunday. I told you it was bad, but it kind of fits, so just bear with me. We've been in this series called Any Given Sunday where we've been talking about things that we hear and we see uh, every Sunday, and today we're going to kind of wrap this up. And I get, and I'm going to acknowledge this so that you can kind of frame up uh, your mindset a little bit as we go into this, I get that today could seem really, really critical. I get that today might seem or could go very legalistic very quickly. I get that today could seem a little bit negative. And all of those things can escalate because, especially if you're not new to church. If you're new to church, you won't know any different. But if you're, if you're new to church, it's going to seem like, maybe like last week when we talk about giving, it's going to seem like, you know what, that's just a little bit too close to home, Jason. I'm not sure that you have the right to intrude into my space like this. But we're not going to let it get negative today. We're going to be as positive as we can. And here's why. It's an encouragement. And I want to encourage you, wherever you are, if you're new to Wellhouse, new to church, new to faith, if you've been doing this a long time, if, if the shoe fits today or if it doesn't fit, you can become a voice of encouragement. But I want to encourage you because I don't want you to miss out and I don't want anyone to miss out on the blessings and the benefits of what we're going to talk about today. So we've been in this series, and, and so we talked about baptism week one, and we said, you know, we use that term a lot. We have cards that have that. We have, you know, Sundays where we baptize people. And you go, you know, I don't really know what that's about. So we took a week, and we talked about baptism. And then we talked about communion, something we're going to do later in our service, where we gather around these tables, and we take this little small piece of bread and a cup, and we talk about what that means and how that's, a, how that's symbolic of the commitment that we've made to Jesus and the sacrifice he made, but it's also 
also something that we get to do as community. We get to share. It symbolizes a larger table. That There are people literally all over the world today who will be involved in some sort of communion, whether it's in a church building or in their homes or throughout the week. That communion is such a key part of what Jesus established in order to have his people gather regularly to remember who he is, remember what he did, but remember who he's created us to be. And then last week we talked about giving, and most of you didn't hear the giving thing because all you were worried about was me falling off this ladder that I climbed last week. And I did not realize, and I just want to say thank you, I didn't realize that the ladder had not locked completely, and I just want to say thank you for coming up there and fixing that. Not a single one of you came up there and said, hey, can I lock this ladder? No, you guys had your phones out, like ready for this to go down. But we talked about giving and how that's important. And it wasn't a matter of us getting in your checkbooks. No, it's a matter of letting God reign your heart. And the way that we see that sometimes is how we handle some of those physical things. And so we're going to wrap it up with this. Today, the thing that we see, the thing that we hear about that we don't see maybe is you. It's you. It's us. It's we. It's together, each other. And when you break all of this down, which is pretty broke down this morning, when you break all of this down, the church at its very foundation is us. It's you. It's me. It's we. It's placing our lives in the hands of Jesus. And that's where it starts. That's why we started with some salvation talk early on. Was that when we put our, our lives into the hands of Jesus, we pursue him. What happens is that out of that, Jesus uniquely has created a community for us to exist in. It's this church. So when we align our hearts, when we begin to align our desires with Jesus, when we begin to place certain things, like last week, that giving element, when we begin to place those things in his hands and we trust those things, when we surrender, the result is a created community known as church that you and I, we make up. And so we share a bond. It's this bond that's created by Jesus, and when we seek him, We share in this together. We share in these moments as followers. So, I don't know what background you grew up in. I don't know how much pressure there was at times to make sure you you were always at church in perfect attendance. And I remember getting these little badges. They were metal. Anybody remember these? And they had a little fold-over tab, and you could put them on, like, your pocket, and it would say perfect attendance. And I remember working toward those kinds of things. And then, you know, later in life, I kind of swung to the other side and thought, you know what, attendance really doesn't matter at all. And then I've kind of come to this place where I realized that presence matters. So it's not a place that we go. It's not a building, but it's also not just another social club, a community. So these moments that we share with together on Sundays, but also the moments that are shared together in community surrounding Jesus outside of this space. When we meet in homes, when we're meeting on ball fields, you know, we have a softball team that's sharing community. When we're meeting in coffee shops, when we're meeting on the lake tomorrow with friends and family, when we do these things, when we share in the moments here, but also in these moments of gathering outside of this place, and we come together, we care for one another, we share, we grow, not just in our physical lives, but we share and grow in our faith. We've got to center all these things around one thing. So they all come back and they focus on this, that the reason we do this, the reason we do house groups, the reason that you play softball, the reasons that you are gathering in these spots, many of which we don't know about, is this, so that you, we, can continue 
to be changed by the grace and the hope that we have received through Jesus. Let me say that again. It's so that we can continue, not that we've arrived. See, salvation, placing our, hand, our lives in the hands of Jesus, that's not the ending place. That's the beginning place. And so these moments of gathering, they become moments where we get to continue to be changed and we get to continue to be transformed in the grace and hope. And here's the best part as well. And that others get to be changed by this guy named Jesus as well. So I want to go back to our signs that we talked about because I want you to link these things together. I was actually going to put them up today, but they're in a storage closet locked, so you've got them on here. You guys remember we had a cross that represented, and that was kind of week one when we talked about that represents our identity. That our identity becomes Jesus. It becomes who, you know, my life becomes who he is and what he wants and what he's trying to accomplish. And, And it's really not about church attendance. It's about life. That in his identity, what happens is I begin to pursue him. And when I begin to pursue him, I begin to pursue other lost, broken, hurt, lonely, isolated people. Because that's what Jesus did. And so I begin to take on that identity. I begin to sacrifice some things. I begin to realign some things. I begin to surrender some things that are really I'm holding tight to. Then we get to move into this family. And so it becomes not just an exclusive thing, but it's an inclusive thing where we begin to gather as many people of all walks of life that we can, and we always leave a seat open. We always have a seat around our table, whether it's here on Sunday mornings or whether it's at your house or whether it's in, in, in a recreational activity, there's a seat left open because the house, so to speak, never gets too small. We talked about my grandmother's house who, you know, she packed 75 people for, for a Thanksgiving in this little 1,400 square foot, and there was always, always, always room for one more. And so we become part of this family, and then we begin in to get into this mission initiative where we begin to live our life in step with, we begin to live our lives with a different purpose. And so every day, it doesn't matter where we go. You might go to a school to teach. You might go to a, a garage to be a mechanic. You might be a, an accountant. It doesn't matter that what you're doing is you are walking in line as Jesus would in the midst of those things. So it doesn't matter where we're going. And so it's one of those deals where, you know what, any given Sunday, the things that we hear, the things that we see, the things that we do, and you and I all point back to something. They point back to Jesus. And they point back to this life that we're now living in Jesus. We're we're pointing back to the fact that, that I have committed myself to Jesus. Therefore, Jesus' community, the church, becomes a very important part of that. So hopefully, these things that we've experienced as we've given our life to Jesus, as we have claimed to be a part of this community, as we said, you know what, we're going to live differently, that all of these things lead to a higher, broader, more active involvement in the community. And it's your connection and your involvement in all of these things that's not just critical, but they are transformational. So here's what happens. We gather in the name of Jesus for Jesus to be moved into the likeness of Jesus. See, Sunday's not about getting a ticket punched. I grew up not at the hands of my mom and dad teaching me this, but the pressure that church put on us by giving us little badges that said perfect attendance. Church for me became this place where I just punch a ticket. And I felt like that if I could get enough of them punched, 
that somehow God would be more pleased with me. And if he was more pleased with me, I would get a mansion robe and a crown. But what I realized is that attendance, being involved, being connected, can't be motivated by what I'm afraid I'm going to miss out on in eternity. Because here's what happens. We will miss the benefits and the reason that God set it up in the first place in this time, in this space between now and eternity. And he says, listen, don't, 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 don't get to this place where you, it's a, a ticket punch. Because here's what happens, and it happened to me. You will get burnt out because you feel like you can't keep up, you can't do enough. And in these moments, guys, I had somebody this week who couldn't be here today, called me in tears, apologizing, and said, I, 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 I know you're probably going to be upset. And I just said, stop, whoa, whoa, whoa. You were in the hospital. But it was this mentality of, I'm not going to be there and somebody's going to be upset and somebody's going to be disappointed and all those kinds of things. I said, no, no, no. You will find space to share in a gathering, in a community, even in the midst of your hospital room this week. It's not about punching the ticket here. It's about a relationship. It's about stepping into the vehicle that God has chosen and designed perfectly to drive his movement into our world, into Goodlettsville, and into Hendersonville, and into Gallatin, and into Nashville. It's a movement that has changed lives for thousands of years, and it's a movement that will continue to change lives. And here's what I love about it. For all of its scars and all of its failures and all of its weaknesses, guys, when the church is firing on all cylinders... When it is steering clear of distractions and it is focused on transformational life in Jesus, for Jesus, and then us beginning to step into those communities to encourage one another in our walks with Jesus. Guys, it is attractive. It is practical. It is powerful. It is transformative. In a word, it is amazing. And so we see this modeled for us in Acts chapter 2. The church is really brand new at that point. So there's no buildings, there's no lights, there's no chairs. You think you got it rough this morning. They had nothing. And so they're meeting and gathering in all sorts of spaces, some public, some private, some home, some out in the countryside. So you have this big movement that's beginning to really take form, really take shape. you got people that are joining this thing. you got people who are being transformed in the likeness of Jesus right before our eyes. And so the writer of, of Acts, a guy named Luke, says, let me give you a snapshot of what this is all about. Let me tell you what's happening. And he's moving them from a culture that valued going to a temple where there were these rituals and regulations and these rules, all these things that if they were not done in a certain way, in a certain process, you know what, they, they might not be pleasing if they weren't done by certain people for you, all these kinds of systems. And, and he says, no, no, let's open it up to a different system. We're going to open it up to now a, a, a church, an ecclesia, a system that is much more intimate. It is much more practical. And it is also highly transformative. So listen to what he says as we kind of end up this little section in Acts chapter 2. He says, verse 44, all the believers, those who were believing in this resurrected Jesus, were together. They had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to, one, to, to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. 
And the Lord added to their number daily those who were also being saved. So here's the picture. Jesus' resurrection has shook the core of religion, of the system. And it changed everything. And there were these exciting things that were beginning to happen. And it wasn't just ticket punching in order to stand in good favor with God. It was transforming communities. People's needs were getting taken care of. People were being attended attended to. People's emotional needs were being attended to. They were made to belong. They were made to feel connected. People's physical needs were being taken care of. The temple wasn't doing that. But this new this new vehicle that Jesus had, had talked about earlier to his disciples that, hey, here's what you're going to go and set up, and it's going to be awesome, and nothing's ever going to come against it. He says, because it is going to be the hope of the world. It's not just hope of salvation. No, it's the hope for so many other things. And so at that time, no one was having to be coerced into showing up to the gatherings. No one was having to be shamed into those things. They were devoting themselves. They were filled with awe, and they were concerned about Jesus. They were concerned about each other. They were concerned about serving. And so they were meeting in these spaces, and they were regularly sharing their faith, and the the Lord was adding to their devotion others using their influence. And so here's what happens. The community, the church, became contagious, but it came at the result of their commitment to Jesus and their commitment to community. But here's the key. Here's the key factor. If we ever want to experience this sort of support, encouragement, and growth, the key is presence. Put this on the screen. Your connection to the church is vital to your spiritual health, to your spiritual growth, and to your spiritual influence. Notice I did not say that it is vital to your salvation. If the only reason we connect to this is so that we can feel more saved, we have missed the point. It's so that we can continue to grow. It's so that we can continue to be encouraged and nurtured and we can feel belonging and we can feel that we are living life in the midst of community pointing us toward mission. But, here's the second part of that, your connection is dependent on your presence. It's showing up. It's being a part. It's pursuing those kinds of things. I had a conversation. This is the best way I know to put this. I had a conversation with a guy. Uh, it's been probably three. We were early on in Wellhouse. He came to me and he just said, hey, man, he said, I don't, I, we're, I'm going to be leaving Wellhouse, my family. He said, we just, just to be honest with you, man, we just don't feel like we connect. We just don't feel like we're growing. We just kind of feel like, you know what, I don't know, man, just time slips by. We just, you know, and it's just, it's, life doesn't seem to be changing for the good and and we just need a change, and, and, you know, I just don't feel right. There's just, I don't know, something's missing. And, and I sat and I listened. 
And I listened to him talk about his struggle, and I, I listened to him talk about the critique of, of church and the situation. I, I even listened through his conclusion of what he felt like was going to, you know, what it was going to take. And, and, and he said, you know, the answer to all of these things is leaving. That was his, it was his answer. So he finished up, and he said, what are you thinking? Well, I got a choice at that point. I can be honest. Or I can just kind of sugarcoat and go, oh, you know. And I, if something just came over me and I said, you know what? I think I'm going to choose honesty on this. So this is what I said. We're sitting at Panera. And I looked at him and I said, I know exactly what you, you, I, I, I know exactly what you mean. I hate my pants being tight too. And he kind of looked at me like you're looking at me now. He said, what? I said, yeah, I hate when my pants are, are tight too. And he looked at me, what? I said, yeah. I said, I had a friend of mine who took me to a gym in Hendersonville called CrossFit. Went, worked out with him once. They even gave me a T-shirt. I've worn the T-shirt a couple times to the park. And my pants are still tight. He went, what? I said, yeah. I said, I don't get it, man. I went. He said, well, did you go back? And I said, no. I said, my pants are still tight, but I got the T-shirt. And so we talked through that. I said, you know, it's just like a gym. I said, it requires me to show up. It requires me to get connected. I can't walk in and lift, you know, a 100-pound dumbbell and then never come back and figure out why I can't lift a 200-pound dumbbell. I can't lose the weight I desire to lose, and I can't, I can't make the connection. And then I took it a step farther. I said, you know what, it also, what I figured out, this is back when I was still going. I'm obviously not going anymore. But I said, you know what I figured out was what I did outside of that gym, in addition to that gym, played a huge role in my pants fitting better too. I said, when I figured out that I, what I eat and, and, and my rest patterns and me staying active on my off days, and me doing something in the mornings or maybe in the afternoons, and then, guess what, I would go back to the gym because I was going three or four times a week at that time. I said, what I figured out was the gym days got easier. When I was doing things on my off days, when I was eating right, when I was doing all the things that it takes to become physically healthy, what I figured out was I got faster, I got stronger, I got connected, and in all of that, transformation began to happen. And then I looked across the table and I said this, you can't be connected to and changed by what you're not present for. And the truth was this. At that time, he was coming once or twice every six or eight weeks, never got in a house group, never served on a team, never served outside of, of house group, wasn't showing up to anything extra, and was wondering why he felt disconnected and why he wasn't growing. So he got mad and left. And I ran into him about a year and a half ago. I didn't ask him anything about church, but that's what he led with. He said, hey, Jason. He said, you're right. They had moved south of town, south of Franklin, and he said, we'd have came back to Wellhouse, but, he said, you know, we live about an hour away. He said, but you were right. 
He said, we decided as a family we would make an intentional decision to show up, to be present, and invested. And he said, our lives have completely changed. And that's what happens. It doesn't happen when it's just a ticket. But it happens when we are being connected to the source. And so being present, showing up, seeking Jesus through community leads to good things. I said last week that a major indicator of spiritual growth is found in how we handle physical things. And I want to add to that, that another indicator is how we invest our time. So I'm going to get as personal as I'm going to get, and then we'll close this down. Guys, I believe that we invest time to things that matter most. Even if it's just for the moment, we say yes in the moment. We say yes long term to the things that we place high value on, to things that we place most value on in that moment, in that season of life. But I want, to, I want you to, to consider something, that what we say yes to concerning our time is also saying no to something else. Let me give you an example. When I say yes to working around the clock, putting in 80, 90 hours a week, you're saying no to someone else, probably family. When you say yes to sitting down at the table and you say yes to your iPhone and Instagram, you say no to the person you're eating with. When you say yes to TV, I, I say no to taking a walk with Lori in the afternoons. When I say yes to constant recreation somewhere, I'm saying no to responsibility. I've met people, it's like, man, my house is a wreck and I got laundry coming out everywhere, but I spend every day doing something recreational. I'm like, well, then you're saying no. Like, it, it's just a fact of life that when we say yes, to some things we say no to something else. And it speaks about what we value most. And guys, I just want to tell you that spiritual things works the same way. And you, got, you say, well, Jason, now hold up. Now this, again, I'm pressing in. You're getting really kind of legalistic here. I'm hearing, you know, that it tend, you know, I, I'm not there. I don't have to come to church. I don't have to get in a group to have a relationship with Jesus. Well, I don't have to go home to be married, but it works better when I do. I can be married and never go home. I can never take Lori on a date. I can never show Lori any attention. But it works better when we do. And here's what happens. When we do, we grow. Lori and I, we grow. We get stronger. We get better. The more time we spend with one another... Things just click better. We communicate better. We enjoy each other more. And so the more time I spend in the spiritual community that God has placed me in, based on my commitment, my proclamation, my surrendering my life to Jesus, the more time I spend with it, the more time I spend around it, the more time I spend investing in it and learning from it and leaning into it, the better. So I'm going to go back to Acts chapter 2 for just a second. Guys, that's exactly what's happening here. They're leaning in. They're learning from. And as they invest more and more time 
it equates to more and more growth. Look at verse 45 again. Notice the words he says, together. And it says they shared all things in common. It doesn't mean they were all rooting for the same sports team. What he's talking about there is that they were sharing this commonality of Jesus. And when Jesus is the common factor, Jesus drives the vehicle. And so when they focused in on Jesus, lives began to change because what? Go keep reading. All day they got together, they ate together, they enjoyed the favor of all people. People's needs were getting taken care of, so they focus in on Jesus. They commit to this gathering together, this being a part of a community and people's lives. Now, I'm not advocating that we do church service every day. Our setup team is definitely not advocating for that. I'm not advocating perfect attendance. I'm not advocating that we're going to start charting your hours and go, you know, we notice that you're only here about once every six weeks. But what I will do is that in these moments when you go, man, I'm just not connecting, I will begin to point to that. And so you can't grow and be changed by what you're not present for. It's not about guilt. It's about growth. It's about connection. You know, even Jesus says that. He says that, listen, if you want to grow and produce fruit, then connect to the vine. Connect. And most of all, I don't want you to miss out. Being so focused on coming to this place and doing these things in order to get to heaven. I don't want you to miss out on the beauty of life that was meant to be lived in community in the present. Especially a community shared around Jesus. So let me give you a couple starting points, and then we'll be out for the morning. First, I just want you to look at your calendar. Spend some time just combing through your calendar and see what you can move to allow more time spent in or around the community. And for you, that may be something small. Don't take gigantic steps. I'm not going to bring the ladder back out, but I don't want you to, you know, step too high. Just begin to say, okay, what is it that I could let go in order to spend more time in community? Around community, serving in community, investing in community, giving to community. I want you to to work toward making Sundays a non-negotiable. In this moment where you say, listen, to the best of my ability, I'm going to lock into Sundays and I'm going to try to make that a regular thing in my life. Not because I'm afraid, not because I want to take a legalistic view, no, because I get my rhythm there. I get my my start to the week there. I find Jesus in that place. I'm encouraged in that place. It is a vital part of what I do in my weekly. And so I'm going to do everything I can to make a Sunday a non-negotiable for me. Try this. Invite people who invite you to miss to come with you. You, we all have that person in our lives. Like, come on, man, it's just Sunday morning. Let's just go, you know, let's golf. You can do that later. Just say, I'll tell you what, you come to church with me first, and then I'll go and golf with you. They'll probably stop asking you to golf, but you know what they might do? They might show up. And then again, God is leveraging your growth. He's leveraging your commitment to what? Influence the lives of others. And then finally, I want you to think circles, not always rows. I don't know if you notice, we always sit in rows here, and that's just the easiest way to to line up to 250 people, that it's not just about Sunday attendance. It is community wherever that is displayed. So what circles can you get in? If you can't make it to rows, what circles can you get in? Are you in a circle? That's why these house groups are so important, or these groups that get together and and meet. And, and, you know, it's not always a Bible study. it's, It's just meeting and doing life together. What circles are you in? 
Begin to note who's in your circle, but also note who's not in your circles. So begin to think circles, not rows. I just want to say, guys, you are an important part of Wellhouse. In fact, you are Wellhouse. Without you, without me, without us, without each other. Wellhouse is just a bunch of swag that ends up at Goodwill. And there'll be a lot of it. But it's us committing to Jesus, then committing to one another in order to what? Grow. I want you to know there's no big partners here. There's no small partners here. There's not levels of importance. There's not inner circles and everyone else. It's everyone. It's everyone being present. It's everyone being connected. And it's everyone contributing that matters. Because when we do those things, when we show up, when we connect, and when we contribute, things happen. So last week I wanted to do a little bit of an experiment, and it was kind of twofold. You just didn't know it. Last week on the the tables, we put these little red buckets and we talked about when everybody gives a little bit, when everybody makes a conscious effort to be intentional. And and, and I think I asked you to do without Starbucks. Somebody did without cigarettes. Somebody did without uh, uh, Sonic Run. There was all kinds of stuff. I said just two, three, four dollars. But what you were also doing in that moment is that you weren't just giving your money. You were connecting around a table with other people. What? Investing committing, giving their money. And it was just $2, $3, $4, lots of $1 bills last week, and I loved it. But things happen when we begin to show up, when we connect, when we're intentional, and we do these things within the context of community. Results happen, change happens. Now, this is, um, this is Mary, so let me introduce you to Mary. And, and I normally wouldn't even tell this part of the story, but she, she requested that I do. She said, no, I want you to show them who I am and what you did. I was like, are you sure? Because that's, you know, that's not really what I want to do. And she's like, no, no. So you don't know Mary, but we know Mary. Maybe some of you know Mary. But Mary was instrumental in us connecting to some of the, the organizations and some of the people that we help within the context in the, in the city of Goodlettsville. She was a part of that. We met Mary about a year, year and a half ago. And Mary is the secretary for something called the Ministerial Alliance here in Goodlettsville. And so what it is, it's an organization where ministers kind of come together and they figure out how to best serve community. How, what are you guys good at? What are we good at? How can we help you? How, you know, and so it's this alliance that kind of lines up. And so I met Mary, and so she automatically connected us. Our night of worship, I don't know if you guys remember that, she was directly involved in that because she hooked me up with who it was I needed to talk to at Goodlettsville, put in a good word for us at the city hall. City hall didn't even question us using their lawn, bathrooms, and electricity because Miss Mary said so. And so guess what? There was no red tape. There was no paperwork, all because of Miss Mary. So I had heard through the grapevine over the last couple weeks that Miss Mary, on a fixed income, needed some new tires. And not only did she need new tires, she had a tie rod that was broke that was not safe for her to continue to drive the car. So she had spoke with a couple of people, couldn't get it worked out. And so guess what? Our community showed up, came together around tables, contributed just a little bit. And this last week, we put tires. You put tires. You fixed tie rods. You now have given her a vehicle that I know that she will spend the next two, three, five years on those tires, ministering, organizing ministry, organizing opportunities, taking care of people in the context of our community. That's how church works. And she, she sat, and, and we just we had a moment together, and, and it was just, she said, I love when God's people 
takes care of each other, and looks to take care of the community. And guys, that's what Wellhouse is about. And that's why we do what we do, not just on any given Sunday, but any given Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's not about this place. It's about our call and place in the kingdom. Father, this morning, I pray that you will continue to not bend our our arms behind our backs and cause us to feel pinned in and shamed and guilt, but God, that you will begin to not even have to coerce us because we know that when we show up, when we give our lives to you, that God, when we commune together, when we give of our resources, and we've proven this week, it doesn't take a lot. God, we all threw in $2, $3, and we're able to change someone's daily life because of that. And then, God, when we show up, when we plug into, when we commit to, when we look at our calendars, and again, not because we're trying to be legalistic, but because we value what happens when we do show up. God, I pray that we get to a place where when we miss and when we're not here for either short or long stretches of time, we go, man, something's not right. I, I, I got to recalibrate. Not in order to receive something, but in order to be refilled and rejuvenated and encouraged, felt, felt supported. God, may church attendance, may house group attendance, may our involvement on whatever level never, ever, ever be driven by fear and guilt but may it be driven by freedom, equipping, encouragement. And when those things begin to happen, God, we will not want to miss. We will want to be a part of anything and everything. So God, continue to work in our lives, continue to change our hearts, continue to grow our identity being you, continue to allow us to gather tables not just on Sundays, but all over this place and all over the city. God, help us to continue to look in our lives and say, what small things can we give for a bigger cause and how can we trust you in those things? And then God, make us present. Show up. Because what will happen too, God? When we show up together, we will begin to live even more empowered lives apart. Because we'll know there's always a place coming soon that we get to come and plug back into. So God, thank you for allowing us to be a part of changing and shaping culture and life and kingdom. May we do that with full surrender. What little bit we have, take it, multiply it, and do great things. We pray this through your son's name. Amen.